Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We now hear Linda read the gospel reading for this morning. The gospel is taken from the book of John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Here ends the gospel. The gospel of the Lord, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For the sermon today, um, I wanted to pre-record it. Uh, and so I did it over the last couple days because I wanted to talk about what's going on in the world today. We have been transfixed on um, killings of black men happening in the world. And we want to understand what that might mean or how do we interpret it or why is it happening more about that. And so what I attempt to do is I, and I'll say this, I don't uh, attempt to speak for people of color. I don't come across this as an expert. I, I do this as someone who is trying to learn about what's going on and my role and my place in it. Um, so along those notes, the Pentecost Sermon for this Sunday. Good morning, everybody, again from Holy Trinity. It's me, Pastor Tim. Uh, I am no longer in my living room, but I am now here in the gathering place at the church where we normally hold adult form. I want to do the sermon here for several reasons. One, I want to talk about what is most likely an uncomfortable topic for all of us, particularly, I will say, for white people. But I want to talk about racism. I've had a little trouble preaching during these last couple months over Zoom. I think it's gotten better over these last few weeks, but overall, I just have not been as comfortable to talk about things. And this is such an important topic. I wanted to 
be as comfortable as I could be because I want to articulate some things and I don't want to worry about, I want to eliminate all the other factors that make me uncomfortable. And if I can be here, if I can pre-record, hopefully things come out a little bit better and I can edit to honestly if I need to as well. Now, let me tell you something, as I talk about racism this morning, I don't do it as an expert. I don't do it as someone who knows everything. I don't intend to speak for, because I can't, uh, people of color or black people or their beliefs or feelings or how they should believe and feel. That's not my place. What I am here to do is to try and help us understand a bit more about who we are as people, as Christians, specifically as white people, and what is our place and role in the world. I'm struggling to figure this all out. I assume you are also. So all I'm doing is inviting us into a conversation about race and racism and our role in it and what God might have to say to it, because let's not forget today's Pentecost. This is going to be a little bit longer sermon than normal, so please stay with me. I'm having the whiteboard here in front of me so I can write out some terms and some definitions and to help us follow along. So thank you for your patience as we go through this. I want to start with three words. The first word is privilege. I want to talk about what privilege is and how we see it play out in our life. Privilege is an unearned benefit or advantage that is given to you totally unearned. Think about it this way. Um, I'm gonna use the example, I play basketball. I'm a tall individual, right? I'm 6'2". In high school, I was listed at 6'4", but I played basketball. My height gave me an advantage over somebody who was shorter. Now, it doesn't mean they can't play basketball and there's different roles, but obviously height plays a role in it. You very rarely find short people in the NBA or playing even beyond high school and even in a lot of high school levels. It helps to be tall. That is an advantage I have and I did nothing to deserve it. It just is. Now, what that does not mean is in order to play basketball, I didn't have to work hard. I still did, right? You put in the practice, you put in the hours, you put in the training. What it means though is the work that I was able to put in benefited me more than the work someone else was going to put in. Simply because of height, I had advantages, privileges, but were given to me simply based on something I had no control over. So one of the things we need to remember about privilege Equal work does not mean equal results. Equal work does not mean equal results. Look at it this way, runner. People love to run with the wind behind their back, don't they? When you can do that, when I'm out for a run and the wind comes behind my back, oh, it feels almost effortless at times. And you feel you're going fast and it flows and you love it. And then there's times in which you run with the wind at your face and it's a struggle and it's hard and the wind picks up and you think this sucks and I just want to give up and I want to quit and it's hard. Privilege is like running with the wind at your back. And I think we can, I can safely say there is no greater privilege in America than the privilege that comes with being white. The wind is at our backs. So much so, we don't even notice it. 
We get so accustomed to it. We just think this is the way it is for everybody. When in reality, the wind is blowing hard in other people's faces. But privilege is understanding the wind is at your back. Again, it doesn't mean if you're going to run, you don't train. It doesn't mean you don't work hard. It doesn't mean that your efforts aren't fruitful. What it means, again, same effort, same work does not yield the same result. Somebody could put in the same work, they run with the wind in their face, and their times will be slower. It just is. There is no greater privilege than to be white in America today. The wind is at our back, and honestly, we just think those are calm, regular conditions. We don't even realize it. Now, there are other ways in which privilege comes into it, right? Because you can have poor white people or really destitute people who are white that feel like, wait, the wind's not on my back. Are you saying that I should be doing all of this and I'm not, so it's my fault? Privilege can come in many different ways. You can have economic privilege, right? And so there's people that are oppressed by certain systems because they are not privileged in education, um, where they live, right? Wealth that they're born into. So there's a lot of ways in which privilege can come into play. But I don't think there's any stronger form of privilege than white privilege. And I need to be clear on that. It makes a difference. It's not the only kind, but it is a big, the biggest kind. That's privilege, okay? Running with the wind at your back. And most of us don't even know it. Then we have prejudice. Prejudice is ideas or beliefs. Ideas or beliefs based on misconceptions, misinformation, and stereotypes. These are mainly negative. And they happen in a whole kind of way. There's sexism, there is racism uh, based on race, there's based on age, they're based on sex, there's based on where you live, right? We have prejudices all over the place. Prejudices affect everyone. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, American, French, Russian, we all have prejudices. We all have ideas about somebody in another group based on incorrect information that affect the way we interact with them. We're prejudiced. It just is. Everybody is prejudiced. But now I want to get to racism. What makes racism different is racism is prejudice plus power. It means you have a system behind you that enforces those prejudices. Hence, white people are racist. Black people or people of color, you can say, cannot be racist. They can be prejudiced, but they don't have the system behind them to enforce those prejudices. Racism, or to be racist, also means it's not about an individual act. Racism is systemic. It's not simply about the harm one individual does to another individual based on the color of their skin. I would hope the vast majority, all of us in here, wouldn't do that. And yet, we are all racist.
We are racist because we participate in these systems that benefit our prejudices. And like not even understanding the wind that's blowing at our back, we don't even see it. To be racist doesn't mean you hate black people. It means you benefit from systems in place that are inherently harmful toward people of color based on these prejudices that many of us carry that aren't even aware of. It's how we can have racism without racists, which was a book that I had to read in seminary. Because racism isn't based on individual acts, it's based on systems. It's prejudice plus power to enforce these things, right? White people are racist. I need to own my racism within me. You can have black friends and still be racist. It doesn't mean you, don't, you dislike people of color or you hate them or you want them to die. That's not, that can be a form of racism, but that's not what racism really is. It's systemic that we aren't even aware of. We're gonna get into that a little bit. So the question then becomes, why are we talking about all of this today? Why am I taking this time to set this up? If you've been on the news at all, you understand, man, there's more going on than just COVID-19, right? There's so much going on. And there's been three incidences that really propelled me to talk about this this morning. There's Ahmad Arbery. And if you know Ahmad Arbery or about that, he's an African-American young man that was out jogging in his neighborhood uh, in February that was followed uh, by people in a white truck that said he looked like a suspected burglar that was committing crimes in the neighborhood. And so what did these two people do? They confronted him as he was out jogging. They pointed a gun at him. And when he resisted to comply with them, they shot and killed him simply because they had these prejudices and they had the power behind them. And the problem, this is where the power comes in. These men who committed this crime weren't arrested until 10 weeks after the fact that the crime was committed. It wasn't until video came out that showed what they were doing that they were arrested. There is where that power comes in. It's not about the individual act. It's about the system that allows these individual acts to continually occur. And so Ahmaud Arbery has been on the forefront of this conversation on race lately. Then we have Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper, unrelated. This is the incident that occurred in Central Park in New York City over the weekend. Christian Cooper is an African-American man uh, that was sitting on a park bench bird watching in a part of Central Park called the Ramble. Normally in Central Park, dogs are allowed to be off leash. In the Ramble, they are not allowed to be off leash. They have to be leashed. Amy Cooper, a young uh, Caucasian white woman, is walking through the Ramble with her dog off leash. Christian Cooper says, would you please put your dog on a leash? Simple request, follow the rules. Amy freaks out and says, I'm going to call the police and I'm gonna tell them I'm being threatened by an African-American man. And she is just hysterical and her dog is being choked 
because she grabs him by the collar, isn't even hooked up to the leash yet, and she's just panicking. And he's videotaping this, please call the police. And she's like, I'm gonna call the police, and I'm gonna tell them African-American man is threatening to murder me and my dog for simply asking her to put her dog on a leash. She came in with these, and she's a liberal white woman. And we're gonna talk about a little bit, because I think this can be the most dangerous kind that's, that's there right now, the, the kind of racism that lies dormant within us that we don't even know about, but is there. And so we've heard all about this incident lately. And then we have what is raging right now, the killing of George Floyd. George Floyd is an African-American man, was suspected of using a counterfeit bill uh, in a convenience store in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, just a couple days ago. The owner or the person working there called the police on him. He was arrested and during the arrest, he was brought to the ground, handcuffed, and the arresting officer with two or three other officers standing idly by with their hands in their pockets, watched the arresting officer kill George Floyd. Even when he was handcuffed, even when there was no struggle going on, the officer stood there, kneeled there with his knee on his neck and forced the life out of George Floyd. The other officers watched it happen. This is why I think it's so important how I wanna tie it into what we are doing here today. This is Pentecost, right? in which we are given the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Some of George Floyd's last words were, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And if you've followed any kind of news over the last few years, we've heard a person of color say this exact same phrase before in the news five years ago in New York City, Eric Garner wrestled to the ground, police on top of him, and he said, I can't breathe, and he died on the way in to the hospital or to being a, uh, to the police station. I can't breathe. And I'm willing to bet other people of color have said these exact same words over the centuries when they have had the system of oppression in the form, not just of police, but of peep other people, white people. And they have said the words, I can't breathe, and they have not been released. Today is Pentecost, in which we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes can be two words. In the Greek, it's pneuma, which means breath. And in the Hebrew, it's ruach. And I like this definition of it even more. Breath of life or breath of God. Breath of life, breath of God. And we are inundated with stories of I can't breathe. We are people who have been given the breath of God. And our call is to breathe that in and to breathe out the sin and the racism and to acknowledge the privileges we've been given and to breathe that out and to breathe in the breath of God, to acknowledge all of those ways in which we have failed.
and to be specific about it. Not to just to be this general term, but to be specific about the systems we participate in and to acknowledge it, to look at ourselves, because that's what we need to do. Our faith should enable us to say, oh my gosh, look at these ways I have strayed from the way of God. And to not just continue on in this pattern because it is most comfortable for me. To breathe in God's breath and to acknowledge that there are other people that are not able to do the same because of these systems of oppression that are continually put upon them. I want to talk about two other things and the way in which our breath out, right? The breath of sin and racism occur. We have two types of power, hard power and soft power. One is easy to name, hard power. It's coercive. It's forceful. It says, I'm going to get what I want. They are those things that we can, uh, everybody sees. And we say that's evil. That's racist. It's the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. It's the killing of George Floyd. It's the killing of Eric Garner. It's the killing of, you name it. It's easy to spot. But I want to talk a little bit of soft power. And the soft power is where the breath of God really needs to intercede for us and name it. Because soft power is insidious. It's cancerous. It can be invisible. And you not even know that it's there. It's running with the wind behind your back and not even knowing that the wind is blowing. You just assume these are the regular conditions that everybody has to deal with. It grows from inside. And next thing you know, it pops out. And you're like, where did that even come from? It is what shapes our worldview, our attitude, right? It's what Amy Cooper, right? She's a liberal white woman who probably knows what it is and what it isn't. And yet when she's confronted in the situation, this is what comes out, right? The soft power gets moved into hard power where she knows she's able to use the police as a threat against this black man, that the system is set up to believe her and not him. Can you imagine what would have happened if all we have of this incident, no video, all we have is her 911 record. All we have is her voice on the phone panicking and frantic saying, I am being threatened to be killed by an African-American man. Who are we believing? we would say he must have done something to elicit this response. No way would she react in that way if all he had to, was a simple request to put your dog on a leash. That doesn't happen, and yet this video shows it does. This is why I think soft power within us that's cancerous, that's insidious, that is invisible until it springs out is worse because we're never going to get rid of the hard power abuses until we acknowledge the soft power within us, the abuse of the soft power within us. On Holy Spirit, on Pentecost Sunday, 
we ask the Spirit to intercede for us and to name our sin within us, to be specific about it, to be able to say black lives matter and not have to generalize it because it makes us feel better by saying all lives matter. Yes, all lives do matter. And there are people that are out there that don't believe it. That say, I hear you saying all lives matter, but did Ahmad's life matter? Did Christian Cooper's life matter? Did George Floyd's life matter? Did Eric Garner's life matter? Did Trayvon Martin's life matter, right? Because no, we want to say all lives matter. The truth is, the way the world functions, not all lives matter. It has been the story for as long as we have been telling the story. We want all lives to matter, but until black lives matter, or until queer lives matter, or until what is the oppressed group that have been told they don't matter, until we can name it and say it, then all lives won't matter. It's Pentecost, yes, we will celebrate the birth of the church. Ooh, let's throw a party. There's gonna be a lot of children's sermons that in which that will occur, right? It's the birthday of the church. Let's celebrate, let's party. But if we're not gonna live at the church, then why should we celebrate the birthday of the church? The church is always on the side of the oppressed, always on the side of the dismissed, always on the side of the people who have the boot of oppression on their neck, literally and figuratively. The Holy Spirit should empower us, convict us of our sin, and ask us how are the ways we benefit from these systems and keep our mouths shut because we really don't want them to change because maybe the wind might not be at our back and really like it. Maybe the wind might blow at somebody else's back and are they now gonna catch up? What's wrong with using that analogy? Are they gonna catch up? We're not in a race. Life, faith, the world creation is not a race. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and gave humans capacity to co-create and to help each other thrive. God didn't say, here you go, start, there's the finish line. Who gets there first? Push other people down. No. Christ came to show us a different way to live in which the oppressed people mattered and the other forces that said otherwise. The ruling class, the wealthy class said, we don't like that. We're going to kill you for it. He was killed. He came back. And now he has given the commission to us through the breath of the Holy Spirit, the breath of life, the breath of God. To breathe it in, to breathe out our sin, our hate, and our rest, racism, to acknowledge the ways in which we have been complicit. To listen to those voices that are different than ours, that have a different experience and to shut up and say nothing, and to hear them. That is the work of the church. Not simply to let out a hand to say help up, but to get down and to shut up and to listen. Tell me about your pain. Tell me how I've contributed to it. And that's gonna make us uncomfortable. That means we might have to say, I'm sorry. So now the question becomes, what do we do now? We're going to be tempted 
to try and tackle this in a big, grandiose way. But that's not the first step. The first step is to stop, be quiet, and listen. Listen to other voices, listen to other places that you haven't heard from before. Maybe you listen to or put yourself in places that might make you uncomfortable. What books do you read? Who are those authors? What movies do you watch? What, uh, where do you get your news and your information from? Are they simply telling you what you already know from people who look like you? Or are you willing to hear other perspectives that might be foreign to you, might be different from yours, and are equally valid? But are we willing to learn and to listen? I don't think enough of us are actually a way in which soft power, if we go back to here, in which soft power is passed on is because it shapes our worldview. And if we aren't aware of our worldview, we can't understand really that racism that lies within us. My mom told me a story just a couple days ago in which her and my dad were in Washington, D.C. to go see, you know, uh, the National Mall, the Smithsonian, Smithsonian Museums. And they go to the African-American Museum. When they walked in, they said it felt different than just being outside. When you're outside, throngs of people, mainly white, when you walk into the African-American Museum, everybody was black or people of color. And she had asked someone, is it always like this? And she said, more times than not, it is. Why isn't that museum filled with everybody else who goes to those other museums also? Why aren't we willing to learn a history that we may not like, but is factual and true and historical and needs to be understood? That is where this all begins. Simply listening to other stories. Remember, this is Pentecost Sunday in which we receive the spirit of God, the spirit of life, the breath of God, the breath of life. We need to be quiet and listen for the breath of God in other voices, other voices that have always been speaking for God, that have always been talking, but we haven't listened. May we listen today and every day it is to come to God in other voices. Amen.